Welcome everybody to episode number 20 of the Average Jake Firefighter podcast. I am your host, Robbie Owens from the Average Jake Firefighter blog. Wow. Episode number 20. 20 episodes of this podcast. Uh, I'll be quite honest with you. I never thought that I would get this far. I figured I may do five and people would hate it or nobody would listen and that's not the the case. That's not been true. I've had thousands of people send me messages, uh, thousands of listeners, thousands of downloads. Every episode I get is being heard over a thousand times. And yeah, podcasts, grand scheme of things, I know I've said this before, not uh, not doing Jocko Willink numbers, not even doing like Jump Seat Nation, Ryan Pennington numbers or anything like that. But to me, for me, to have a thousand listeners every time I publish a podcast, that is just tremendous. It's overwhelming. And I don't take it lightly. I want, you know, a thousand people, a thousand plus people. I think that the last episode I had had 1,127 downloads. Each one of them, each one of them is super important to me. That's why I don't want to produce garbage. The last podcast I did, I thought the audio was bad, so I'm using a different kind of microphone. I'm trying to produce better content, better quality, and because I feel that when I do these and you take an hour out of your day or 30 minutes out of your day, to listen to something that I have to say, I want to make it worth your time. I want to make it worth your time. I want to make it worth your while. I want to make it worth your workout if you're listening to these when you work out. I want you, when you plug in these earbuds or your wireless headphones or you're listening on your commute to work, that this is something that gets you thinking, it gets you fired up, and it exposes you to maybe a different side of the fire service that you're not seeing. That's really what I'm going for here. I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. I'm just trying to share what I do, what I think. And if it resonates with you, then that's awesome. If it doesn't resonate with you, that's okay too. Move on down the line. There's a ton of great podcasts out there. You don't got to hate on this one. You can listen to Ryan Pennington. You can listen to Steve Green on the Dalmatian uh, Productions podcast, Five Alarm Task Force. You can listen to Chief Lamb. You can listen to Brothers in Battle. You can listen to Fit to Fight Fire. You can listen to uh, all these other ones out there. The 350 line, uh, the Journeyman podcast. There's a ton of stuff out there for everybody. But if it resonates with you, then I'm so, so glad that you stick with me every episode. So... Before I get into what the topic is today, that's just what I wanted to say was thank you. And I want to say, I usually do this at the end of the episode, but I'm going to do it again here. I want to thank some of these companies that have kind of come on board. They support me. They've given me stuff to try out. They really believe in what I'm doing and what I'm saying. So I want to shout out to them. The first is Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. Second is Taylor's Tins. Taylor's Tins makes metal helmet fronts for your helmet. They're awesome. I wear one every day. I wear Vanguard safety gloves every day too. Uh, I wear a Taylor's tin on my helmet every day. Those things are awesome. They last forever. Uh, you know, you're going to want one on every helmet that you have. And also, Northern Star Fire. Jeff Dykes over at Northern Star Fire. They gave me a Northern Star Fire compass. You can go listen to the episode with Jeff Dykes uh, back a couple episodes ago. I believe it's like 18, 17, something like that. 
and they gave me one of those compasses to try out. And so far, I really, really like it. They also donated one to the Fireground Commander Conference that's coming up in March. We're less than a month away from the Fireground Commander Conference. So Jeff Dykes over at Northern Star Fire, they're doing great, great, great things. So go check them guys out. And of course, Fireground Commander Conference, my great friend Ben Martin. Make sure you sign up. Okay, all the early birds are sold out, so there's already over a hundred firefighters coming to this conference in Henrico County, Virginia, March 11th, 12th, and 13th at the Henrico Theater. You're going to get to see great speakers like Nick Martin, Christopher Nam, John Dixon, Jeff Shoup, Mike Gagliano. Three days, $150 for three days. I'm telling you, you cannot find the quality of speaker for this conference anywhere else in the country. You can't find it. I dare you to find it. Okay, so go to all those other guys and support them just like they support me. And again, thank you to each and every one of you that continue to log on to this podcast and listen to what I have to say. It is humbling. I don't take it lightly. Uh, I, I, I enjoy the interaction with people messaging me, telling me they like the stuff that I'm talking about. I appreciate each and every one of you. It makes me want to keep soldiering on, creating better content, and I've got some other great stuff lined up. I'm hopefully going to be able to catch up with my buddy Michael Carter from the Virginia Beach Fire Department, and we're going to have a good interview, and I'm hoping to catch up with my good buddy Bobby Drake talking about some company officer stuff and some leadership stuff before he heads out to Firehouse World to present his class on leadership, specifically called the Lucky 13, everything he learned in his first year as a lieutenant. That's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal interview as well. So support all those people who support me. Thank you for believing in the podcast. We're going to have a great, another great episode here talking about why risk is our business and kind of a different look on why I feel that way now and kind of what's inspired me to feel that way. All right, stay tuned. So like I said in the intro, risk is our business. And a lot of people are talking about risk these days. A lot of people are talking about you know, being risk averse or taking too much risk or not enough risk. Uh, Kurt Isaacson even has stickers and t-shirts and, and stuff that talks about it's being worth the risk. And he's explained what that's meant a hundred times. It's, he's not just talking about risk on the fire ground, although that is a major part of what he's talking about. He's talking about it's worth the risk for him to put on these conferences. It's worth the risk for you to do the right thing in your fire service. It may not get you anywhere. It may not get you things, but it's worth that risk for you to take. It's worth the risk for us to put ourselves in line for the citizens. And I'm a student of this job. Right, I'm a student of the show. I listen to other people's podcasts. I listen to Fit the Fight Fire. I listen to the Do Work podcast. Uh, I listen to Chief Lamb, and I try to listen to a wide array of firefighting podcasts, and I believe wholeheartedly that risk is our business. Risk is our business. We are supposed to take risks. Now, I'm not a cowboy, uh, at least I don't consider myself one. Some may have a different opinion. But I don't consider myself a cowboy. I don't consider myself a thrill seeker. I don't consider myself any of those things. But I do consider it my job to take risks. With that being said, I feel that it is our job to take those risks, manage them down 
to where they're as minimal as humanly possible and then go. We're never going to get all the risk out of this job. And I'm talking about everything from making entry into a structure fire to cancer reduction. Okay? Talking about all those things. And I'm going to get into all those things. But I want, but what made me really like start to think of it and uh, the, one of the most powerful speeches I've ever heard on it actually comes from a pretty odd place. It comes from outside the fire service. For those that know me very well, this is not going to come as a surprise to you, but for those who don't, for those who just know the firefighting side, the average Jake firefighter side, when I was growing up, and still to this day, a lot of people just saw the, the wrestler, the football player, the baseball player, the athlete, the kid who went hunting with his dad on Saturdays. Kind of the rough and tumble side. The kid that if you, you know, got in his face, he'd probably try and punch you. You know, I, I did that a lot, unfortunately, and that wasn't the way to be. But a lot of people, that's who they saw. That's the side they saw of me. I never showed or tried to advertise the other side of me, the kind of nerdy side. I never showed the side or tried to advertise the side of the guy who sang in the chorus or acted in a play or who liked comic books or science fiction. And I know you guys are like, where is he going with this? Where is he going with this? But I I, I promise there's a point to it. So when I was growing up, I was that rough and tumble kid too, but I still, I loved some of that nerdy stuff, right? And I don't care that, you know, I'm a nerd, like 100%, uh, I'm a nerd. I was a closeted nerd for a very long time, but I'm out in the open now, man. Like I still, you know, I'm a human. I like stuff, okay? I like going to the comic book store. I take my kids to the comic book store and I buy comics, all right? You know, whatever. I'm a human. I like things. If, if if, If you have a problem with that, then I'm sorry. But I also like Star Wars. I'm very passionate about Star Wars and I like Star Trek. And so the other day, I was watching an episode of Star Trek, specifically season two, episode 20, Return to Tomorrow. And I won't bore you with the details because I'm sure some of you are already going, holy crap, this dude is talking about Star Trek on a god darn firefighting podcast, but I promise there's a point to it. During this episode, there comes a very risky thing that the crew is debating about what to do. And if you're familiar with Star Trek, you've probably seen this episode. It's one of the most iconic speeches in Star Trek history. Uh, And this was before, you know, any of the other Next Generation. This is the original series here, so Captain Kirk. And as they're sitting there talking about this stuff, Kirk breaks into this monologue, which turned out to be one of the best, you know, things or things on risk that I believe I've ever heard. So I'm going to read it to you now. They used to say if man could fly, he'd have wings. But he did fly. He discovered that he had to. Do you wish that the first Apollo mission hadn't reached the moon? Or that we hadn't gone to Mars and then the nearest star? That's like saying you wish that you still operated with scalpels and sewed your patients up with cat gut like your great-great-great-great-grandfather. I'm in command. I could order this, but I'm not because Dr. McCoy is right. And pointing out the enormous danger potential in any contact with life and intelligence as fantastically advanced as this. 
But I must point out that the possibilities, the potential for knowledge and advancement is equally great. Risk. Risk is our business. That's what this starship is all about. That's why we're aboard her. And I'm no William Shatner, I'm no Captain Kirk, but that resonates with me. That resonates with me. That speaks to me, and maybe it speaks to you too. But to me, you can substitute a lot of those things for the fire service. When I was at the the uh, the uh, ODP, the 2019 ODP uh, in Pensacola, I can't remember if it was Chief Norman or Chief Isaacson, but they started talking about a ship being meant to be on the water. Yeah, that's risky. It's risky for you to take a ship out of port. But that's what it's meant for. And you look at a ship, once you take it out of the water, once it doesn't have no purpose, it sits in a, in a graveyard and it rots faster than if it were being used. And think about that with cars. Think about that with the human body. The human body. Those of us or those of you or those of people that we see who sit in the recliner all day are in worse shape than those of us or those of you or those that you see that pick up heavy things and go running. The ones that are sedentary fade away faster than the ones who are active. Sure. The ones who are active might have a little bumps and bruises, some sore things, might have some rust, might leak a little oil, but they survive. They survive longer. It's the same thing with a ship, and I believe that's the same thing in the fire service. That risk is our business. That risk is why we're here. Our job is all about risk. Everything that we do has a risk to it. Driving to the call, enormous risk. Taking care of a patient, enormous risk. Training, even as safe as we try to make training, enormous risk. People have died in training. Structure fires, motor vehicle accidents, hazardous materials. Even the fact that some of us try that that some fire chiefs out there try to make us quote unquote all hazards has risk to it. Think about the hazards of being all risk. Think about it for a second. That's that Swiss Army knife mentality. We're all hazards. So we're not experts at anything. We do everything. That brings in itself a whole host of other risks. But that is our job. That's what we're all about. Now, like I said, I don't think that we should just go willy-nilly. Well, the job's dangerous as hell anyway, so we shouldn't do anything. I'm not in that camp either. 
okay? I'm not in the camp of, well, firefighters get cancer. That's just what they do, so we shouldn't do any of this stuff. I think that's a load of garbage. However, we can't let that risk prevent us from doing our job. What we have to do is take, st- take steps to limit the risk as much as we can, and then we still have to do our job. So what does that look like? Does that look like taking SCBAs and gear out of the cab? Absolutely not, it doesn't. Not to me. What it does look like is even though I don't like it, when it's 17 degrees outside, I spray off after I come out of a fire. I get doused with the the cleaning solution, the decon thing, the bucket, the whole deal, even though I don't like it because I'm already wet and cold. That's minimizing that risk. That means wiping down with a baby wipe. That means wiping down the cab after I'm done. That means taking a shower. That means swapping out as much of a pain in the butt that it is, swapping out to my spare set of gear or washing my hood, changing out to the gloves I don't like as much, changing out to my spare gloves that are not my Vanguard Safety Wear MK1s. That are the best fire gloves that I have. As much of a pain as that is, that's how we minimize that risk. That means no matter how much of a pain in the butt it is, you get your ass out of the rig and hook up that plyma vent or whatever you're using. Because, yeah, I know it's a pain in the butt, and most of us are good enough drivers that we can back in the bay of our station without a backup guy. I get it. But that's what minimizing that risk down means. And then when we've taken all those steps, we still do our job. We go do our job. That doesn't mean not going into fires. That doesn't mean hitting every fire from the outside. That means we do the right thing for the right situation every time. I'm also not in the camp that every fire is an interior fire. In Robbie's opinion, if, if you've never had to hit a fire from the outside, never. If you've never had to hit a fire from the outside, I think that's because of two reasons. One, you haven't been to many, or two, you haven't been to very, very many big ones. My plan A is always to try to go inside. That's always the goal. But I've been to enough, and I'm not some hero from the from a big four uh, four letter city fire department. I'm not that guy. I'm from suburban Henrico County, Virginia, just outside the city of Richmond. We have some urban areas, but we got a lot more suburban areas. But I've been to fires that we're like, hey man, we got to hit this thing from the outside first before we try to make the push inside. When that started getting a bad rap, I don't know. And maybe it was because of the uh, all the stuff that came out from UL, or I, I don't care about that. To me, that was a technique that I learned way back in the day. And I think I've talked about this before. I was watching a fire video from L.A. County at the Volunteer Firehouse. And when the guys pulled up, every guy in the room that had more tenure than me was like, I'd hit that with a dead gun before I'd go inside. And that was in like 1995. So I don't know I don't know when that started getting a bad rap. Maybe it was just because the people people didn't like who was spreading the message. But to me, if you haven't had to hit a fire from the outside before going in before, you haven't been to very many or you haven't been to very many big ones. I've had to hit fires from the outside before. I've had to hit fires with a deck gun, then transition to an inch and three quarter. 
I've had to hit fires with a two and a half, then transition to an inch and three quarter. I've had to hit fires with an inch and three quarter and then go inside with that same inch and three quarter. Okay? So, but that's what I'm talking about is minimizing that risk. When I do that, when we're doing this fire suppression, when we do all of these things, how do we minimize that risk? Well, I wear all my gear. I wear my SCBA. I make sure even before that, when I get to work in the morning, I make sure my gear's laid out good. I make sure everything's working, including my hand tools. I make sure my air pack is full of air. I make sure my mask works. I can breathe out of it. I make sure everything is squared away in my cab. I make sure the nozzles on the truck are good to go. Make sure all the tools are where they need to be and they're clean and they're functioning. And then that part, that risk when we have a fire is now minimized. It's minimized as much as I can do. And, I'm, and I do other little things too. You know, you got to make sure your battery's ready, right? You got to, and you know, but that's what I can do. It starts when you even get to work. And then when you get to that scene, you make sure that you minimize that risk as much as you can and then go take the risk. What's that look like for me? Proper positioning, doing a 360, giving a proper size up, pulling that right sized hand line to the right location. Again, sometimes that's to the bedroom window. Sometimes it's to the front door. Sometimes it's to the back side of the house because the whole back of the uh, whole back deck is on fire and it's auto expose it. And if I don't want to burn the roof off the place, I better put the line back there first. That I didn't know in the first place until I did a 360. I get all that information. I relay it to the right companies and then I go to work. Because that risk is now, I've gotten all the information I can get. I've gotten everything I can get out of it. The risk is minimized. I'm in my proper PPE. I'm in my proper PPE. I've done a good 360. I've done a good scene size up. I wore my seatbelt on the way there. But then I got there. I took the risk down to as manageable as I could make it. And then I took the risk. Because at the end of the day, risk is our business. Risk is our business, folks. There's nothing about this job that isn't risky. You want to talk about an EMS call, treating a patient. That is one of the most risky things we do. People think it's going in house fires. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I've had more risk taking care of patients on EMS calls than I ever have going into a fire. And that's crazy to say. Because I've been in a fire that a roof almost fell on my head. I've been in a fire where I was fighting the attic fire and the roof and the inside ceiling did fall on my lieutenant's head. And we had to pick up the ceiling and pull him out. I've been on a Mayday activation. But I can tell you what. Dealing with some of these patients where you don't even know what they have, stuff that could kill you tomorrow or ruin your life, that's risky. But what do we do? We still have to do it. Somebody has to do it. That's why they called us. Somebody has to do it. That's why they called us. So what do we do? We wear our gloves. We wear our masks. We wear gowns if we have to, as goofy as it looks. We do all those things, and then we take the risk. We take the risk. That's what we're supposed to do. If you're not willing 
to do those things, then you don't belong here. And I know in today's politically correct fire service, and I know everybody hates that, like, we need to be nice to everyone. Well, yeah, we need to be nice to the people that have the same values as us. We need to be nice to the people that know what we're here to do. It's like I told someone the other day. I don't have a problem with anybody's politics, religion, race, whatever that is. I don't have a problem with any of those things. I have a problem with bad firemen. That's what I have a problem with. I have a problem with firemen who would rather come to work and do their part-time job instead of go out there and pull hose. I have a problem with a fireman who chooses the recliner over training. Those are the people I have a problem with. And it doesn't matter what color they are, what they believe in, if they believe in a giant flying spaghetti monster. That's fine with me, man. Want to come out here and pull this hose with me? Sounds good. Want to go in the gym and work out? And that's another way we can manage this risk down. How risky do you think it is to be out of shape? Why are you even willing to take that risk? That's a risk we shouldn't even be taking because that, of all the things that we talk about, is the thing that's most scientifically proven, is that if you're out of shape, you die. If you're not in shape, if your heart's not, if you're, if you're not eating right, if you're not exercising, you die. Period. Especially on this job. Especially on this job. So why would you even be willing to take that risk? And you don't have to be superhuman, okay? No one's asking you to go in there and deadlift a thousand pounds. No one's asking you to go in the workout room and throw every weight on the bar and pick it up over your head. Nobody's asking that. Nobody's asking that. We are asking you to invest in yourself and get in there and put on your put on your put on a SCBA and walk. Walk at a pace that gets your heart rate up. That's what we're asking. But that's again how we minimize that risk. How do we minimize that risk on the fire ground? How do we minimize that risk? On that EMS call? How do we minimize that risk throughout our daily fireground activities, our daily fire station life? Physical fitness is a big way. It can help you prevent cancer. It can help prevent heart disease. It'll make you better at your job. It'll make you more physically able to do those risky parts of the job so that, again, that when you do have to go in and stretch that hose line down that hallway, your heart's been there before. Your heart rate's been up like this before. It's no big deal. Or when you do have to have when you do have to make that grab. And again, I'm no hero. I'm no hero. I've been a part of I think total six or seven victim removals. Each one of them were hard for their own different reasons. But I was in physical enough shape to be able to do them. I don't know if I'd be able to even live with myself if I physically had someone in my hands and couldn't get them out. Like, I I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't even want, you want to talk about not taking risk? That's a risk that I don't want to take. I don't want to take that risk for my own mental health. Because I don't know if I'm strong enough to handle that. So get in the gym. It's not that hard. These are not hard things that anybody has ever asked us to do. This is not a hard job. Come to work and do work. Come to work, get after it. 
And when I'm on the job, I like to do things. I like to have the brotherhood, the camaraderie. I want to eat meals. I want to watch movies together. But not till after we've done some training. Not till after we've done some PT. Not till after we've, you know, gone out in the district for the day. Interacted with our people. The people that are paying our salary. And the people we're expected to serve. That's what I want to do. After we do all that stuff, clean the house. After we, In fact, by the way, clean the house, that can happen whenever. I hate when people use that, we're going to clean the house as a reason not to train, not to go out, not to do... No, man, we don't... That, that house can get cleaned at 9 o'clock tonight just as easily as it can get cleaned at 9 o'clock in the morning. I like to come to work, eat some breakfast, get some PT in, get some fire training in, eat some lunch, go out, look at a building... And man, then 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, we're done. No reason to keep beating us down. Go do what you want to do. You got some part-time work to do then? Awesome. But all those things, going and looking at a building, going and doing all stuff, that's reducing the risk. That's managing that risk down that we're expected to take. And then we still have to go take that risk. I don't want to get like I'm rambling or anything like that, but that's where I'm at, guys and girls firefighters, firemen, whatever you call yourself. Risk is our business. Risk is our business. It's what we signed up for. It's what the citizens expect. They expect us to risk our lives for them. And I'm glad that I got to go hear some of those things from Kurt Isaacson or like the other day when I was listening uh, to Fit the Fight Fire and I, and I cannot remember this ch- fire chief's name, Harold Reinwalt, I believe is what it was, East Montgomery County, Texas, when he was talking about him being for them and in, in his fire department. And I'm not going to even try to repeat what he said, but go listen to Fit the Fight Fire and listen to that episode because it's powerful stuff. It'll, it'll fire you up. If it doesn't fire you up, again, I don't know if you need to be here. But that stuff refocuses me because I think we're all human and we can all have a strong sense of self-preservation. I don't have a death wish. I got a beautiful wife and two awesome kids. I also, my mom is still alive, my dad, my brother, my, I got nieces and nephews and cousins. I got 30 to 40 wrestlers that want me to come coach them on Saturdays and Sundays. So trust me when I say, I got a lot of reason for still being here. But I still have to be able to take that risk. So what I try to do every day is manage that risk down to where it's as manageable as humanly possible. I have taken all the human factor as much as I can out of it. I've PT'd, I've trained, my stuff is squared away, I wear all my safety gear the way I need to, I check all my tools, I do all that stuff, and then I take the risk. No matter what that call is, whether it's that EMS call to that nursing home, or whether it's that fire call with the people trapped, I take that risk. It's what we're here to do. And again, I'm not in that camp that believes that we're an always or a never or a this and a that and another thing. Nah, that's not me. If you're running into these house fires without your mask on, that's not taking risk. That's being stupid. 
and I don't mind calling you stupid. If you think it's cool to overhaul without your mask on, you're just stupid. You're not a risk taker. You're not a cowboy. You're not a cool firefighter. You're just stupid. I don't like stupid firefighters. Okay? That's not being a risk taker. That's not, I hope that's not what any of these guys are talking about, and I don't think it is. That's not risking it for them. That's risking it for your ego. But we still, as a fire service, have to take that risk. And I think that, coupled with service, is where we need to focus our priorities on. Because we have a lot of entitlement in this job. And as and I hear every day about what the fire department owes me. Like the fire department owes me this. They owe me that. And I can tell you, like I've talked about before, me and my fire department have not always seen eye to eye. Okay? We don't always see eye to eye. I don't agree. You know, the fire chief is a guy who was my captain at one point. And I loved him. I still do. I still love him. He was a good he was a great captain. Not just a good captain, a great captain. He was a great battalion chief. He's been a great operations chief. But we don't see eye to eye all the time. He made it he made he's made several decisions that I didn't agree with, even after we sat down and talked about it. But that doesn't mean I don't like him. That doesn't mean I don't like him. So we haven't always seen eye to eye, but I can tell you. Here's what the fire department, and I got this from my good buddy, Lieutenant Mickle Redford. We have come through recruit school together, and he brought me around to this because maybe I was getting a little entitled too. When you talk about what your fire department owes you, here's what they owe you. They owe you a safe place to work. They owe you a paycheck for you doing your work, not sitting on your ass in the recliner. They owe you a paycheck for services rendered i.e. coming to work and training, running calls, checking the equipment, make sure stuff's in order. Work. And that's it. So they owe you a safe place to work and compensation. Safe place to work is PPE, a nice, uh, you know, a firehouse that doesn't have mold, rats, whatever, all that stuff, good equipment. They owe you that, 100%. They owe you your compensation, your paycheck, your benefits, all that stuff. They owe you all that. That's it. They don't owe you your morale. They don't owe you your happiness. They don't owe you your ideal work location. They don't owe you any of that. They don't owe you any of that. And that's where we lose our sense of service. That's where we feel like we don't need to take that risk. Because, well, the fire department owes me, so I ain't risking nothing for them. I ain't risking nothing. When in reality, the fire department don't owe you anything except what I just told you they owe you. Fire department doesn't owe you anything but a safe place to work and a paycheck or compensation. That's it. You, on the other hand, stood up in front of everybody, raised your right hand, and said that you would risk your life. You would risk your life for those citizens out there. You would do that. And you would risk your life for that paycheck and that safe place to work too. 
You would do all those things. Because they were going to give you a paycheck and a safe place to work, you were going to risk your life for people. Don't forget that. That's why I always, when someone asks me about morale, like, how's the morale in the fire department? I'm the wrong guy to talk to. Because I feel like I control my own morale. I've been at fire stations I didn't want to be at. And I've been at fire stations that I loved. And let me tell you what I did. The same thing. Show up to work, check all my gear, train PT. Show up to work, check all my gear, train PT. Clean the place up. The same thing. Whether I love the firehouse I'm at or I hate the firehouse I'm at, it gets the same level of energy for me. Because that's what I signed up for. I signed up to work for my fire department, which means I could be at any of our fire stations on any given day that they tell me to be at. And still expected to take that risk. So stop thinking that you're owed something. Stop thinking that, you know, service is a bad thing. Do the things you need to do to minimize your risk because risk is our business. I know I've said it a bunch. Risk is our business. That speech at the very beginning by Captain Kirk from Star Trek, you can substitute the fire service for that. That's what this fire service is all about. That's why we're aboard her. Because risk is our business. Risk is our business. I know it's a little bit of a short one, but I hope it was a meaningful one to you. I kind of did all the advertisement stuff in the front end of the podcast, but I just want to remind you, go to VanguardSafetyWear.com for the MK1 Fire Glove. They're great. Go to Taylor'sTens.com for all the helmet shield, uh, helmet front needs. They're awesome. They'll last you forever. Go to Northern Star Fire. Talk to Jeff Dykes. Maybe he can get you something out there for your department. He can get you a test model. He can do something so you can get that fire compass and check it out. Hopefully, I'm going to catch a job soon. Uh, I, the last two fires I was on, I've been on the battalion car, so I haven't been able to go in. I've been in command of them, so I haven't gotten a chance to use this uh this fire compass yet on a real call. I've done some training with it, but I want to use it on a real call so that I can actually give you some tangible data. I don't know how long that's going to be. Uh, the last fire I was in charge of, the last day I worked, I was on the BC car and it was a fire in the middle of the road townhome. I was inside the car and running command. Couldn't exactly use the fire compass. I guess I could have. I guess I could have. That would have been kind of neat to try to run it from from the you know drive over there, I guess, with the mask on. I'm joking, of course. But uh, get a hold of Jeff Dykes with the Northern Star Fire Compass. Lastly, month away, less than a month away from the Fireground Commander Conference in Henrico County, Virginia. Okay, March 11th, 12th, and 13th, Henrico Theater. Over 100 firefighters are already going to be there. Over 100. Don't miss out. Cheapest fire conference in the nation, bar none for what you're getting. $150 for three days. For three days of some of the top speakers in the nation. We're talking Mike Gagliano, Christopher Nam, Nick Martin, John Dixon, Jeff Shoup, experts in their field. And I don't throw that term around lightly, okay? I don't throw that term around lightly, but experts in their field. Come listen to these guys. Come join us. 
It's going to be a blast. There's going to be lunch provided for you every day. Snacks in between all the breaks. Coffee and stuff in the morning. It's going to be great, great experience. Then on uh, on Monday night, the first night of the conference, we got an event at the Strangeways uh, Brewery in Henrico. The Henrico uh, Firefighters Union is going to be there. You can get stuff. You can have some good beer. There's going to be a food truck. It was a great time last year. It's going to be a great time this year. Raising money, I believe, for the Byrne Foundation. It's going to be awesome. So do not miss out on this this uh conference. It's going to be another great one. Last year's was great. This one's going to top it. I guarantee this one's going to top it. Guarantee this one's going to top it. Especially with, uh, I know about, I know, but I love, I want to hear Jeff Shoup talk. I just want to hear him. I've watched some of his videos of him just sitting in his shed or his garage and they're awesome. And I think he's going to bring that same kind of intensity to the Fireground Commander Conference. He's an engine company legend. If you don't know who Jeff Shoup is, just Google the Book of Shoup. It was compiled by Gary Lane. Just Google that and download it, and you'll be able to get all sorts of great stuff. All right, well, that's all I got. But as you know, I say this every time. Spend one hour a day in the gym doing some sort of physical fitness. One hour in the day in the library learning something about our job, reading something about our profession watching a YouTube video. It can be any of those things. And then one hour a day doing some sort of hands-on training. You do that, and you'll be a pretty phenomenal firefighter. I guarantee it. So that's all I got for this episode. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, but stay aggressive.